Hello, knowledge seekers. In this episode of 20 Minute Books, we delve into Triggered by Donald Trump Jr., a book that lays out a fiery critique of left-wing political practices in the United States. Join us as we unpack Trump Jr.'s perspective on how he believes the left employs violent and self-contradictory strategies to push its agenda, from the extreme application of political correctness to outright online aggression. As the son of former U.S. President Donald Trump and the vice president of the Trump Organization, Trump Jr. is no stranger to the limelight and political debate. His hands-on experience with major construction projects and his prominent role in his father's 2016 presidential campaign lend him a unique vantage point from which he articulates his concerns. He argues that the freedom of speech is under assault, with the most significant danger coming from liberal factions. Triggered is not just for those on the conservative spectrum seeking to counteract what they see as hostility from their ideological opposites. It's also a thought-provoking read for liberals open to engaging with conservative viewpoints. And anyone interested in understanding the powerful forces that shape how we express and defend our beliefs in today's political climate. So, whether you align with Trump Jr.'s arguments or stand in opposition, prepare for an insight-packed journey into the dynamics of political discourse and their impact on all sides of the spectrum. Triggered, How the Left Thrives on Hate and Wants to Silence Us. Introduction, Navigating the Modern Political Battlefield with Confidence. Welcome to a world where engaging in political conversation feels like walking across a battlefield uncertain of where the next landmine lies. In today's America, where polarization seems to define every coffee shop banter and family dinner, exercising free speech comes with its own set of risks. Whether you're dining with friends or drafting an email at work, a slip of the tongue or a misinterpreted phrase could ignite controversy and jeopardize relationships and careers alike. Far from being a bystander in this tumultuous environment, Donald Trump Jr. wades into the fray with a claim that conservative voices are particularly besieged. In college auditoriums and corporate boardrooms, people with conservative leanings face what he describes as an unspoken gag rule. According to Trump Jr., the left holds the reins of this societal narrative, dictating terms of what's acceptable or condemning opposing views as intolerant or hateful. This, he posits, is tantamount to a form of censorship, one that damps down the open exchange of ideas and healthy political dialogue. Ready to arm yourself with countermeasures against what he sees as an aggressive push by the left? Trump Jr.'s insights promise to equip you with the recognition of techniques used to curb conversation and strategies for standing your ground in the face of what he perceives as intimidation and suppression by the left. During this journey, we'll dissect how an innocent question about one's origin could spiral into a social faux pas, examine the extent of havoc a group of protesters can cause overnight, and even explore the blueprint for launching your very own online movement. Should that be your flavor of activism? Buckle up as we take a deep dive into navigating and asserting your stance within the combustible arena of modern politics. Part 1. Identity, Overemphasis, and the Pitfalls of Division Imagine a world envisioned by Martin Luther King Jr., 
where one's value isn't couched in ethnicity or skin color, but in the essence of their character. It's a powerful dream that reshaped American society. Unfortunately, the modern political left is seemingly veering away from this dream, asking society to prioritize identity markers such as race, gender, and sexual orientation over individual merit and personal character. Today's political discourse amplifies our distinctions as though they're the only things that matter, often overshadowing our shared human experiences. The left, despite their aspirations for unity, often shine the spotlight on what makes each person unique to the point of fostering divisiveness. This political narrative rewards people with social clout for each layer of identity that aligns with the narrative of oppression. Imagine wearing identity labels as if they were campaign ribbons. The more categories of oppression you can lay claim to, the greater your leverage in social discussions. In this hierarchy of identities, your voice is amplified or muted based on the number of checkboxes ticked. In some circles, if you're associated with wealth, your skin color is pale, or your gender is male, there is an unspoken rule. Silence is your best bet. Your perspectives in these spaces are pre-deemed irrelevant, at least until an unwary comment betrays your stance and casts you out. Conversely, if your identity aligns with what's deemed marginalized, your words may carry a weight independent of their truth or reason. Consider the case of actor Juzi Smollett, whose allegations of a racially charged attack initially placed him beyond the realm of skepticism. Doubters were struck with the gavel of racism just for questioning his account, which ultimately was revealed as a fabricated story. This reflexive defense was rooted in an identity-first approach to discourse. The underlying flaw in this logic is the presumption that the experiences and opinions of those deemed oppressed are inherently infallible and untouchable. It leads to a paradox where the measure of one's words rests on the speaker's background rather than the substance of their argument. This is the very prejudice that equality movements sought to dismantle. Upholding the validity of a point should be universal, uncolored by the identity of the one who makes it. Part 2. When words are weapons, the troubling equation of speech with violence. The political left has introduced a paradigm where the spoken word is routinely equated to physical violence. Under this premise, a mere tweet or casual remark can trigger a reaction as visceral as if one were subjected to an actual physical attack. Consider the concept of a microaggression. It's the term used for innocuous comments that, despite the speaker's benign intentions, are interpreted as covert attacks on someone's identity. These statements aren't obvious insults, rather, they're often phrased as polite queries or offhand remarks. Asking someone about their background, for example, has become a linguistic landmine. The innocent question, where are you from, is now potentially laden with implications of otherness and exclusion. Imagine striking up a light conversation with a classmate from a different background, seeking to know more about them out of genuine interest. Unbeknownst to you, this casual question could be seen as an aggression, shadowing your rapport with tension and misunderstanding. This attitude towards speech as a form of violence transforms the very act of reaching out across cultural divides 
into a potential faux pas, stifling the natural flow of dialogue. The fear of inadvertently stepping on a cultural sensibility can make one community hesitant to engage with another, cementing rather than bridging societal divides. To label someone racist or sexist based on a misinterpreted comment is to overlook the likelihood that, more often than not, people are communicating without malice. Casting aspersions based on unintended slights only serves to sow discord. It's an ironic twist. The left often accuses the right of engendering a climate of hatred, yet it's this heightened sensitivity to perceived slights that amplifies negative emotions. One is led to question how much actual hate festers within society, and how much is a construct, a specter of animosity inflated by this contentious view of language. The consequences of this outlook are profound, both for how individuals interact with one another and for the broader societal dialogue that continues to shape the nation. Part 3. The Culture of Fragility and the Challenge to Resilience In today's political discourse, expressing a view as seemingly innocuous as pride in one's nation can provoke fierce backlash from the left. Accusations of intolerance and hate speech are no longer reserved for overtly derogatory statements, but have become a common response to straightforward conservative expressions or even inconvenient truths. The left's message is inclusivity, yet there's an apparent lack of tolerance when it comes to conservative thoughts or any ideas that question their established narrative. The concept of tolerance seemingly hits a wall when confronted with oppositional viewpoints. This modern iteration of left-leaning politics demonstrates what can be characterized as a fragility of conviction, a brittleness in the face of dissent. College students on liberal campuses are often reared in an ecosystem of safe spaces, shielded from ideas that jar against their preconceived beliefs and trigger warnings, flagging literature or media that could invoke discomfort. The theatrical masterpiece Antigone has stood the test of time, yet today it might be flagged for its themes of violence and sexual assault, underscoring a move towards protection instead of engagement with challenging content. By insisting on treating everyone as delicate, the left may indeed be manufacturing the very fragility they set out to protect against. This phenomenon is antithetical to the concept of anti-fragility, as framed by the economist Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Unlike fragile items, which break under stress, anti-fragile entities become stronger when tested. Human beings, with their capacity for growth and resilience when faced with adversity, are quintessentially anti-fragile. Stress is to the mind what exercise is to the muscle, a crucial catalyst for strength and development. Censoring ideas under the guise of protecting sensitivities truncates intellectual growth. The pursuit of knowledge, especially within the academe, is predicated on exposure to a pantheon of perspectives, including those that may be unsettling or controversial. The true purpose of higher education should embrace this, to saturate young intellects with an array of challenging thoughts and facilitate vibrant debate among those charting their paths to understanding. It's through the crucible of rigorous discourse that minds are sharpened, beliefs are tested, and individuals emerge not only resilient, but also fortified against the rigors of an ever-complex world. Part 4. The Paradox of Self-Victimization and Aggression in Leftist Politics 
Within the tumultuous landscape of contemporary politics, the left has often cultivated an image as the indefatigable champion for the marginalized, wielding the shield of the victim to battle against the forces of oppression. This portrayal as perennial underdogs, warriors for justice, imbues them with a moral authority in the public discourse, a sense of being on the right side of history. However, there's a palpable contradiction in the way this stance is sometimes enacted. While claiming to abhor violence and hate, there are instances where elements within the left engage in the very same tactics they oppose. Their narrative of self-victimization sometimes morphs into a justification for hostility and sometimes violence. Rewind to the 2016 presidential election, when the media spheres bristled with predictions of tumult from the right if Trump were to lose. Yet, in a turn of events, it was Trump's victory that sparked an eruption of protest from the left. Shaken by the unforeseen outcome, the streets became an avenue for demonstrations, with outpourings of social media fervor questioning the very credibility of the electoral process. If you cast your eyes towards university campuses, this simmering discontent manifests in a climate that conservatives find increasingly inhospitable. They recount a sense of isolation and fear, with voices muted by the prevailing atmosphere. Opinions that stray from the progressive line meet with scathing reproaches, as evidenced in op-eds branding all Republicans as embodiments of bigotry, dealing a blow to the ideological diversity championed by academic institutions. This climate has escalated beyond rhetoric to tangible chaos, as seen at events like the scheduled speech by conservative figure Milo Yiannopoulos at UC Berkeley in 2017. What started as a demonstration against his controversial viewpoints quickly spiraled into violence, with property destruction and assaults, a startling scene at a university once heralded as a bastion of free speech activism. The unruly scenes witnessed there highlight a troubling deviation from the left's professed ideals. The commitment to free speech seems muddled when faced with oppositional views, a commitment that applies conditionally, faltering when discourse shifts away from the comfort of their established convictions. The paradox in play is clear. In claiming the mantle of guardians against oppression and proponents of open dialogue, there's an expectation of reciprocity. Yet, when the ideological lens shifts, when the other side of the political aisle seeks the floor, that same spirit of openness appears to wane. Thus unfolds the narrative of a camp that simultaneously plays the victim even as it tips the scale toward aggression, painting a complex portrait of modern leftist politics. Part 5. How Social Media Has Become a Battleground for Public Opinion In today's digital age, the court of public opinion is inescapable, and its judgments are swift and unyielding. It is a reality where a mere tweet can lead to the unwinding of careers, toppling public figures as quickly as the domino effect. At the forefront of this tumultuous dynamic are social media platforms that not only reflect public sentiment, but actively shape and sometimes distort it. Indeed, social media has been leveraged by some on the political left as a tool for public shaming, resulting in a kind of online vigilantism. Public figures are scrutinized, with individuals or the mob pouncing on any misstep. Reflect upon the case of Roseanne Barr, whose career took a nosedive following backlash over a tweet deemed unacceptable by the online community. The surge of fury that followed was both powerful and conclusive, 
leading to the abrupt cancellation of her television show. This online dynamic functions like a high-wire act where a single, misjudged step can lead to a fall from grace. The playbook of online activists includes using past statements, even those made years prior, stripped of context and splashed across the internet, as if they echo current beliefs. Consider Kevin Hart's experience, a comedian who relinquished his role as Oscars host, when tweets from his past, interpreted as homophobic, re-emerged to shadow his contemporary persona. In instances where social history does not yield material, the tactics escalate to doxing, the act of unveiling someone's private communication to the public domain, a breach of privacy that can carry dire repercussions. This occurred with Yale professor Erica Christakis, whose personal correspondence on Halloween costumes led to a maelstrom of outrage, culminating in her resignation. It's a contemporary gladiator arena where everyone from celebrities to academics can be thrown under the merciless gaze of the online collective. Such incidents underline the potency of the digital sphere as a force in societal discourse, a double-edged sword capable of inciting fervent discussions and, at times, unforgiving condemnations. It is a stark reminder that within the volatile world of social media, the narratives that garner the spotlight are as influential as they are impermanent, shaping reputations and realities with the click of a button. Part 6. The Quiet Storm. Social media's selective silencing. In our digitized world, the guardians of public conversation are increasingly those who control the platforms where it takes place. Names like Facebook and Twitter are not just tech giants. They are arbiters of dialogue, their algorithms and policies shaping the contours of modern debate. While these platforms project an image of passive neutrality, evidence suggests that they have been exerting their influence to steer discourse, particularly in a way that mutes conservative voices. Twitter's own CEO Jack Dorsey confessed before a judicial body that the company had hindered access to numerous accounts a majority of which heralded from the conservative spectrum. This revelation paints a picture of an entity willing to assume the role of gatekeeper, determining the intellectual diet of the public sphere, yet outright suppression is merely the surface. Beneath it, a covert symphony of content manipulation plays out. Invisible algorithms become the unseen hand that filters posts, mysteriously unlinks connections, or inexplicably disables the seemingly mundane like button. Users find themselves inexplicably locked out, their digital footholds within the social sphere slipping away, the sinister workings of shadow banning. This subtle censorship doesn't announce itself with a bang, but happens in the penumbra of the online experience, shaping perceptions without leaving a trace. It's a tactic that's been accused of stifling the conservative movement's voice in a realm that has become essential to political mobilization. Professor Hanania's survey from Columbia University throws a stark light on this imbalance. The overwhelming majority of the political commentators banned from Twitter comprise Trump supporters, revealing a startling asymmetry. Consider the Sarah Jong episode. A journalist who directed acerbic tweets at white people and whose remarks were pardoned as satire by Twitter. On the other hand, 
when Candace Owens, a conservative commentator, replicated Jong's comments with a switch from white to Jewish, she was promptly censored and barred, a disturbing illustration of unequal treatment based on ideological lines. It's becoming increasingly clear that social media giants, the custodians of our digital agora, wield considerable power over our democracy by shaping discourse in ways that are reflective of their biases. This influence has not gone unnoticed, and in an era defined by polarization, such selective silencing is more than a matter of corporate policy. It's a pressing democratic concern. Final summary. The pulse of today's political climate beats rapidly with controversy, rooted in a vigorous struggle over the sanctity of freedom of speech. At the heart of this struggle, we find a formidable force, the political left, accused of turning the noble endeavor to protect against hate speech into an apparatus for suppression and censorship. Central to this contentious dynamic is the notion that certain opinions, particularly conservative ones, are disparaged, marginalized, or outright silenced. The left is charged with painting with broad strokes of intolerance, often choosing to foreground identity over intent, marking speech as violent while engaging in vitriolic online campaigns themselves. This has spilled over from the digital to the physical realm, where reactions to speech they oppose have at times escalated into physical altercations and property damage. Social media juggernauts themselves are not mere bystanders in this ideological clash, but are implicated in swaying the national conversation by selectively muting conservative voices and filtering content through algorithms that serve as digital gatekeepers. Thus unfolds a narrative of contradiction, a tale of activism crossing into the realm of intolerance, where the very values of open dialogue and free expression, once stalwart hallmarks of liberal principles, find themselves in an ironic bind. It is in this space that society must navigate the delicate balance between vigilance against genuine hate and the unwavering commitment to uphold the freedom that allows democracy to flourish. Thank you for joining me today on this journey of learning and discovery as we explored the insights of another thought-provoking book in our growing library of knowledge. If you've enjoyed our time together, please take a moment to follow our podcast, give us a five-star rating, and share 20-minute books with other knowledge seekers. Your support truly means a lot. Don't forget to join me again in the next episode, where we will delve into another enriching book. Until then, happy reading and happy listening.